You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Well, thanks so much for coming out today. If we haven't met, my name's Pete, and I'm the campus pastor here in Belfast, and uh, just if if you have come to church for the first time, or perhaps you're watching online, our services are relatively similar every week, so if you did choose to come back, we would love for you to come back and join us in a future week, and you can expect a, a similar type service that we have here. Well, we all have had experiences in life that have formed like a deep, defining memory. In, in our lives, we've all had experiences where we think to ourselves, you know, oh, I'm definitely going to do that again, or I'm definitely not going to do that again because of a deep defining memory. And uh, when I was 17, I had a defining experience with snowboarding. I was on a snow camp and I'd saved up $100, which was a princely sum in those days. And I had gone to the, to, to the uh, ski field with my mates and I'd gotten the snowboard, and I'd gotten all the gear, and I'd paid for my lift pass, and I was just about to head out on the slope when it started sleeting, and it was extremely cold. I actually didn't have the correct gloves, and um, which was a big mistake, I think. I didn't quite understand just how bad a mistake that was, and I, I tried, and I fell over, and I tried, and I fell over, and fell over, and fell over, And I got so upset and frustrated and cold that I returned my gear and went and sat on the bus (laughs) for for the rest of the morning until everybody else was done. And and, and for 10 years, if somebody was to invite me to go skiing or snowboarding, my response would have been, no, thank you. It's just way too cold up there. Because it was this defining memory in my, in, in, at, at that age that I thought, nope, not having it. Um, it was 10 years until Sarah finally convinced me to give the ski field another go. And it was so different. It, we were up Mount Hutt. It was beautiful. Um, I still got very frustrated, but I, <laughs> but I broke through and um, I was, yeah, had to bit of a panic thing going up there halfway up the slope and I suddenly realized there's only one way down the mountain and um, that's to actually ski your way down at that time I was falling over about every 10 meters so I did the sums in my mind though I've got about another 40 bales to go before I can get to the bottom and get back on the in the car and do what I did before but 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 that wasn't how it worked I kind of broke through and it shows uh, shows me, and I want to use that as a way of suggesting to you that sometimes defining experiences that we have can be wrong. We have expi- de- defining experiences, and sometimes they're right uh, and, and they're good for us, but sometimes they're not right. Defining experiences can be wrong. Um, I might get myself in trouble with this next one, but when I was, uh, when Sarah and I, we were 22, we got married. And um, without realizing it, I had a view of what a husband was, specifically the type of chores that a husband did. And uh, I'd, I'd, without realizing it, I'd watched my dad do a great many chores. He, he, would, he, would, he would do the cleaning, he would cook, he would do the dishes, he would do a great many things. But one of the things I realized early in our marriage that I had never seen him do was the laundry. 
never once seen my father do the laundry. In fact, I do have this memory when mum went away and the laundry still needed to be done and my sister did the laundry and not dad um, being the parent. And so if you'd asked me like three weeks into our married life, Pete, what does a husband do or what is a husband or define husband? I would say, I'm not really sure, but he doesn't do the washing. <laughs> so, and before I isolate, the other half of the room, I want to tell you that defining experiences can be wrong. They can be wrong. So that's good. So, and, and here's how this relates to Father's Day. Because if we don't have a clear picture of a good father in our minds, our past experiences can define what father means. And for us, as men and women, we don't even understand that they've been defined for us. Our past experiences of what father is and what fathers do and how they behave and how they act can be incorrect. So some of us might have had experiences of dads working a lot. And dad worked a lot for you when you were young simply because, you know, um, children are expensive and power bills still need to be paid. But it came as a, with isolation from the family, perhaps a lack of physical presence in the home. Maybe uh, for some people there is trauma associated with their relationship with their father. And so just in all seriousness, when Elam, uh, when we as a church put up a sign that says fathers matter, it can often in some people conjure up a mixed response because of their own defining experiences. Maybe for some, their father's choices impacted on them ne uh, negatively. And so now in the state uh, that you're in, you feel called to be a role model in a way that you never had role modeled to you. And that can be challenging. The key message for us all today is that no matter what your background, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a male or female, no matter what, my message for you today is that God defines fatherhood by who he is. God gets to define fatherhood. When we say, and you might have heard this in, in, in different Christian circles, God is a heavenly father, or you've heard somebody pray to heavenly father, what they're saying is, before there were any other fathers, God was father. The person who gets to write the dictionary definition for father in a spiritual sense is God himself. God defines who fatherhood is. The media doesn't get to define fatherhood. Your own parents, even if they're wonderful people, don't get to define fatherhood for you. God is spoken about in the Bible as a loving father, the first father. And so I just want to encourage us this morning in six very quick ways uh, of how God defines fatherhood for us. And this is an encouragement to us as children because we're all children of God in this, in this there's a relationship there. And um, so we can feel encouraged by the fact that God is uh, these things, but also we can feel challenged by the fact that God is these things because those are the very things he wants to bring out in us. And so the first thought I have for you this morning is that God is a father in that he is present. God is present. He defines fatherhood by his presence in our lives. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, 
a very help, a very present help in times of trouble. It uses this idea that God is a refuge, a safe place you'd go when you're in trouble. But it's not a safe place to go when, uh, that, that is hard to get to or a long way away or maybe a, a strength that is slow in coming. It says that it is a refuge that is very present. The Bible, God, uh, the Bible says that God is our Heavenly Father, is ever-present in times of trouble. There's another version that puts this verse like this. It says that uh, God is a helper who can always be found in times of trouble. God is always there for us as his kids. In fact, he's been called throughout history as the hound of heaven, as somebody who is, who is racing after you. As fast as you want to run away from God, he is running after you so he might be present in your lives. You know, I see this in our kids, and they'll face challenges as children. You will have seen it as well in children or grandchildren or those around you. Uh, and uh, they, they face challenges that feel big to them. You know, there's been some disagreement at school or somebody said something mean to them. And uh, you just get the sense in chatting to them that they don't necessarily need their problem solved. What they need is somebody to be present with them, someone to stand with them. Presence is key. So we appreciate this about God, but it leaves us with the challenge of, uh, in what ways can I be more present with those in my world? God wants us to be present like he is present. A second thought is that uh, they don't all start with P, by the way. The first three do, but there was just a chance. God is present. God is protector. There is a protection role in fatherhood that is key. There are many things that we can't protect people from. But there are some things that we can and should protect people from. And God protects us. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 says this, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I wonder if you've ever had a near-miss experience. Now, many of us, just about everybody in this room, will have had a near-miss experience. And the fact that you can't remember what it was is only testament to the, what you were saved from. Because if it was significant, that car accident that you nearly had, that nearly put you in hospital, or that illness that didn't eventuate, or that thing that doctors thought was bad but actually turned out to be fine, if it, if it did turn out bad, you'd remember it. But the fact that it didn't means that God protected you from those things. That's the protection of God. All of those things we will never know uh, that could have happened but didn't because God was there and he protected you. So men, for all the times that you took a hit to protect somebody else, we honor you for those things today. For that, those moments when you protected somebody with wise advice that was about to enter a bad relationship, we honor you for that. For that time when you uh, protected somebody from a bad property purchase, you gave them solid, experiential advice, we honor you for that. For all those times and all those years that you helped create a safe family home through your protection, we honor you for that. Fathers are not passive, 
fathers protect. God protects us. God protects, and, and this third thought is that God provides. God provides. This is what it tells us about God's provision for us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much, uh, not much more valuable than them? You're so much more valuable than the birds, but the God seems to provide for the birds. Know that your God can provide for you. So God provides. God provides us materially for what we need for each day, which is a real encouragement when you drive down the road and petrol prices at $2.90 a litre and uh, seeming to go only in one direction. God provides us with wisdom for when we need it. God provides us with encouragement for when we feel lost. God provides us with leadership in our lives so that we might move towards a brighter future. God provides us with a plan for our lives, a plan to bring a hope and a future. Maybe in your life there have been father figures who have not provided like they could have or how you feel they should have. I want to tell you, God is not like those people. God is a God who provides. You know, for, for, for those who have adult kids, or perhaps for the men who, uh, who don't have children, you can still provide for those around you. You can still build relationships with the neighbors and, and provide a safe place for them to come and talk to you about stuff. You can still chat with the teenagers who live on your street and provide a, a possible mentor for them should they want to uh, seek you out. You can still lend tools to when uh, people, anybody wants to build something or help your neighbors uh, build their deck. You can still provide. You can provide wisdom and your life experience for those who need it. You know, it's been said before that the nation of New Zealand needs fathers. We need fathers. But I really felt it on my heart this morning to share with you that we need fathers who, who first of all look after their family home for that is the first priority. But secondly, who see their role not just as fathers of their home, but fathers of their street. Men who would stand up and say, you know what, that, that kid who always looks lonely on a Friday afternoon, he seems to hang out down by the park, you know what, I'm just going to go and chat to him. Because, because my street needs a father. And there might not be any other blokes on my street who are prepared to stand up and be a father in the street. But I know as long as I'm here, there's always going to be at least one. New Zealand needs fathers who are fathers uh, of their home as well as their street. God is a, is a father who provides, but he's also a father who is kind and gentle. You know, there's definitely some tough love moments in the Bible where, where God allows the consequences of what people chose, what the people of God chose to catch up with them. There are definitely those tough love moments. But for the most part, what you see is a father who is kind and gentle to his children. Psalm 86 verse 15 uh, says this, repeats a thought from Exodus where it says, uh, But you, Lord, are compassionate and a gracious God. You're slow to anger 
abounding in love and faithfulness. God is a God who is kind and gentle, who forgives quickly and loves deeply. When Sarah and I first moved to Christchurch, uh, our home had been recently replastered. It was pristine and it was immaculate. I don't know if you, you walk into a brand new home and the walls, they just haven't been dinged yet or marked. It was like that. It was incredible. Um, so there's, there's that on one hand. And on the other hand, we've got three boisterous lads who don't mean any harm, but absolutely demolish jib walls, as well as a dog And, and I'll be honest, in those first few months, it was painful. It was so painful. Having recently parted with the funds to purchase the home, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is such a great home. And, and every little mark, every little ding was painful. I'd, I'd look around, I'd remember that time that a shoe was just flung into the wall. Um, or remember the time the dog got stuck and tried to scratch his way out and just dug into the jib. I would remember these things, and the marks on the wall reminded me of those things. I noticed after a while I was probably being a little overprotective of the walls and, and less kind and gentle on the children. But God is not like that. We all have marks on our lives. We all have dings on our lives where, where things Uh, that shouldn't have happened have happened, but they've left their mark. And God does not store up our misdeeds and then hold uh, hold them against us. He instead sees the big picture. And in kindness and gentleness, God is the Father who leads us out of where we are stuck and into his plan for our lives. God is a God of kindness and gentleness. And if there's something that you can contribute to your community and your street and the people around you as a father of your street, whether or not you have your own children is, is besides the point. But you can prioritize kindness and gentleness towards those around you. Your God is, is kind and gentle But as a father, these are all defining elements of him. And so I'm just letting you know these things so they might displace some of the bad pictures in our minds of what fatherhood is. God is all wise. He's all wise. Psalm 104 verse 24 says this. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The church is, uh, sorry, the, the, the church. The earth is full of your creatures. The Lord is all wise. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows what you're going through. And he knows where your perseverance will take you. God loves you with a love that is all wise. You know, as, as parents... We all want our children to live full, abundant, and pleasant lives. And so on on one hand, uh, we actually want their lives to be relatively free from pain. We don't want them to have to go through the things that we have gone through. But on the other hand, that's kind of balanced by just the knowledge that we know the struggle will probably be the making of them. 
And, and these two things, they kind of pull in different directions. We want to ease pain on our children, but we also want them to be developed, to be all that they could be. And we understand that that involves pain. And uh, so we allow certain troubles. There are things that our children go through and that your adult children even go through uh, where you are allowing the trouble, but you're staying present because you know that you've got a wisdom to share in that moment that you want an opportunity, if it presents itself, to be able to bring. God, as our heavenly Father, wants to have that kind of relationship with us where he is allowing struggle but staying present and bringing wisdom as you walk the journey. So I want to encourage you this morning, men, you have wisdom to give. Your family and the people in your world are better off when you bring the wisdom. You might think, Pete, what kind of wisdom can I bring? Well, every person in this room has gone through something that felt significant and burdensome at that time. But now that you've moved past that thing, it's left kind of like a gold deposit in your life, and that gold deposit is wisdom. Have you figured out how to serve a difficult boss? Well, that's wisdom that you can pass on to somebody else. Have you figured out how to rediscover love having been and stay married to the same woman? Well, that's wisdom, and you can pass that on. Have you figured out how to navigate a difficult property purchase? Have you figured out how to fix, uh, fix the bathroom when it does something weird or, or, or notice leaks in the roof before they become significant? That's all wisdom. You figured it out, and you've got that thing to bring. God is all wise, and, and he leads us in experiences which create and give wisdom for us. Let's not waste our hard-won wisdom by not sharing it. Final thought for you today. This is probably the most important one. The one that stands out the loudest when you read the Bible from cover to cover is that God as a father is sacrificial. He has a sacrificial love. He doesn't have a theoretical love. We might say, you know, I love chocolate or I love the All Blacks. He has a deeply personal, sacrificial love. And fathers, fathers are sacrificial. Parents are sacrificial. I wonder if you can think back to that moment where you suddenly understood the extent of what your parents did for you. And suddenly you realize that up till that point, you simply just had no idea. You just expected, you just expected that the, the groceries would continue to arrive every second Wednesday. You just expected that you'd be able to go in and, and have a hot shower for 20 minutes if you'd like. And you just expected those things. But suddenly you realize that, that your parents, that all of those years were sacrificing. You suddenly realize as an adult, that perhaps the reason dad took on those extra shifts is because power is expensive and teenagers eat a lot. <laughs> perhaps you thought your parents, were, like me, you thought your parents were boring and having really no social life and do they really have friends at all? But the reason that they were staying home was to be present for their children. And you understand 
there's that moment where you begin to realize just how much your parents gave because parents at their very core demonstrate love through sacrifice. My children do this. The way we run our finances and our, and our family home is everybody gets pocket money. Different amounts, of course, for the children and the adults, but, but everybody gets pocket money. And uh, our kids sometimes are allowed to take their pocket money down to the warehouse, and uh, they love looking for toys. And typically the situation goes, we go down the toy aisle, and someone will have found a $20 toy. And they'll say to me, Dad, uh, I've only got $3.50. <laughs> um, but this toy costs $20. Perhaps you could spend some of your pocket money. <laughs> I think, yeah, just what I always wanted. I want like half a Velociraptor or like, uh, like um, you know, like Paw Patrol's latest chase toy or something, you know. So, oh, great. <laughs> um, but I've, done, I've, I've given in enough times for them to know that at least it's an option and it's worth an ask. <laughs> I'm, I'm really easy. I'm a bit too soft with those types of situations. Oh, go on then. Um, <laughs> um, but fathers are sacrificial. There's something about the love of a parent that's sacrificial. Just as we invite the keys to come and you know, God demonstrates his own love for us through sacrifice too. God shows us just how much he loves us through sacrifice. Here's a scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might dare possibly to die. Someone might be motivated to die for somebody simply because they're good or because they've got an exceptional contribution. It might happen. It doesn't often happen. Scripture is saying it might happen. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can you know that God loves you? Because he sent his own son, Jesus, from the throne of heaven to walk among us, to become part of humanity. We can't see God with our own eyes, but in Jesus, we can look at him and we can know who God is and we can see God because God in Christ became human. He became one of us. That verse in Romans 5 says that, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that bit I understand a portion of as a father. I understand what it's like to sacrifice for your children and for them to really just not care or not get it. <laughs> Parents do. They pay school fees. They drive the kids across town for school. Kids don't want to go to school. They want to go to the playground. But they understand. They understand what it means to sacrifice and the children not to understand it. And the Bible says that that's kind of like God and us. We don't get it. We don't think we need to be forgiven. We're quite happy just going on our own sinful way. But Christ in the middle of our, our rebellion died for us so that when we did come around, we would always have a home to go to. So today we honor every man in this place.
for the times that you were there, you were just present, for the times when you protected, where you saw a need and you provided, where you brought wisdom, where you brought kindness, where you sacrificed for the people in your world. I want to encourage you this morning, men. God is calling you to be fathers in your street as well as in your home. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.